Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensi. And for this week's episode, we've decided to do a top five good things about the 2017-2018 Ottawa Senators. Yes, you've heard that correctly. Actual good things that happened from last year's Ottawa Senators team. Now, last year's Ottawa Senators team was filled with turmoil and front office bullshit and off-season and off-the-ice shit and honestly it was really difficult as a Senators fan trying to come up with five actual positive things that happened to this team but Tim and I have both come up with actual good things to talk about this team this year and we are going to talk about it on this episode. Now given that last week's episode Tim went first which means I am going to go first on this one. All right. Okay, so at number five, LeBreton Flats gets approved. Now, I'm putting this at number five because there's still a high chance that Eugene Miller can screw up negotiations for the new arena, and financing still hasn't been finalized for the arena, and the Ottawa Senators have been considering a brand new downtown arena for a couple of years after playing the last 22 seasons at the Canadian Tire Center in Canada. And I know that the National Capital Commission signed an agreement in principle with Rendezvous LeBreton to redevelop a coveted 21-acre patch of mostly vacant land, and the land deal is not expected to be finalized until summer 2019 at the earliest. I really hope that comes to fruition. I hope so, too. I think that would be a great, and would you go to the first game? Maybe, yeah. Well, the big thing about Ottawa is that patch of vacant land right near the Parliament building is an eyesore. Yep. Yeah, it's just... It's awful. They can't not do anything with it. For sure. So it's... Like, it's a win-win, and I hope that the awful negotiations or anything with the Senators really doesn't... Can it? Because, you, like, if they do that spot right, it's going to be awesome. Like, they do something like uh, they did down at Lansdowne, it's going to be just top, top-notch. Absolutely. Number four, the Matt Duchesne trade. After two years of trade rumors, Colorado finally traded Matt Duchesne to the Ottawa Senators in a 3-T deal which saw Kyle Turris going to Nashville. Now, despite the excitement of Matt Duchesne's arrival in Ottawa, Duchesne struggled the first couple of months as a senator, which added salt to the wound given that Kyle Turris started lighting up in Nashville right out of the gate. However, Matt Duchesne began really getting it going once he was paired with Mike Coffin and a carousel of right wingers, most notably Ryan Dezingle, for all of a couple of months. Thanks, Monica. So what do you think about this one? Do you think I'm right to be putting it at number four? I don't know. It's it's a very polarizing trade, especially with knowing the fact that part of it was uh, a refusal to pay tourists even a reasonable salary is what drove a fan favorite out of town. Like, that's what's really rough about this. Yeah. I am very happy with Matt Duchesne. Like, he seems like a down-to-earth, like, very much he-likes-what-he-likes type of guy, and... Uh, like, he can thrive in a system where he's just put to work. Mm-hmm. And, 
best case scenario for Ottawa fans, Carlson stays. I think that's a, this will be a great environment for him. Although, like, I do worry for, like, Matt as a person because he wanted to come to Ottawa for a shot at just some playoff hockey, and then the team kind of implodes. Yeah. And now with Mel Nick's money issues, it, there's also the big question of will Matt Sheen stay past next season because he's going to be a UFA. Yeah, like, if Ottawa loses, like, if Matt Duchesne's gone and Ottawa lost their first next season, yep, that's insult to injury. Absolutely. At number three, the rise of Thomas Shabbat. The Ottawa Senators had a number of their young guns play on the big club last season. However, despite the play of guys like Philip Shalapik and Christian Willanen, the one player who shined the brightest was 21-year-old defenseman Thomas Shabbat. Now, of course, on the show, I had very strong reservations toward bringing him up early due to the past history with guys like Brian Lee and Jared Callen with the big club. And I stated that during his performance against the New York Islanders, where he had two goals, I said, look, this is only one game. Let's not make a big deal out of it. Let's leave it at that. However, the more I started watching him, the less and less my reservations became strong. Because so they one, weekend, yeah. Exactly, because Tom Shabbat started showing consistent strong play on the ice, and he finished with 25 points in 63 games despite a minus 12 rating. However, this past season, we saw glimpses of him as a 21-year-old defenseman, and with Eric Carlson possibly being traded, we could see Tom Shabbat now being the number one guy on defense. Which is, like, I feel like an older Shabbat can handle that. But, like, as a 22-year-old, that's fucking daunting. Yeah. But, uh, honestly, like, I wasn't worried with Shabbat because from what I was reading from scouting reports at the time is Shabbat had all the tools, and he had the confidence to apply them. Mm-hmm. So, like, I felt like there was nothing more for him even in the AHL. And watching him come up and just... You're, like, sure we saw clips of him as a rookie defenseman, but on the other hand, we were seeing plays that, like, Shabbat walking the blue line. Mm-hmm. And, like, staying on the edge of that blue line, keeping the puck in, or Shabbat rush, like, Shabbat ru- leading rushes. Shabbat, Shabbat cycling well. Like, Shabbat managing cycles. Like, this is stuff that even veteran defensemen don't do well. And he's doing it at, a fin- like, a very strong, confident level. Yeah, he showed level great confidence last 21. Season. Shabbat has the tools. And as he grows, he's just going to keep getting smarter and more confident. Yeah, unless the Senators completely ruin him. And I know we talked about this on the show, right? And mm-hmm. you said he's pretty much unruinable. But you know what? You look at the number of defensemen that we've gone through over the years. Although I think part of it, though, is just, like, bad drafting. Like, they're pick- they drafting for, like, obviously wrong shit in Jared Cowan. Like, the guy's a known head case. And they drafted for size. Like, Brian Lee, another big guy, never really made it. Like, a lot of that stuff, it's like, they weren't drafting for the right stuff. You know? Yeah. So, I think that's the thing with Shabbat is, it's very confident, very mobile, great shot, great hockey IQ. Mm-hmm. And that's all stuff you're going to need in the new NHL. For sure. And just watching Shabbat move on the ice is, it's awesome. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. The only smoother skater I've seen is Carlson. At number two, Brian Five or Six's Eric Carlson rant. Now, I was going to put the Mike Hoffman-Matthew Shane combo at number two, 
However, this was only a couple of months that we saw them together until my coffin got traded away to San Jose. And given that, I can't really think of anything else that had a bigger impact on the Ottawa Senators last season. And I'll start with this. In February 2018, immense Ottawa's freefall in the standings led to a number of players being rumored to be traded out of town, most notably Eric Carlson. Former Bonks Wallet writer Brian Fiversex decided to create a Periscope video ranting about his frustration and everything that was going wrong with the Ottawa Senators. Now, Brian Fiversex made a name for himself, like I said, as a writer for the Sens blog Bonks Mullet, but he would go on to the next level when he striked out on his own and later began focusing on Periscope videos. Why I'm putting this at number two is because his rant really hit a nerve with a lot of fans. Not just because it was a great rant, but because this is what an entire fan base felt. Right in the midst of the team's deep nosedive and anger being felt towards ownership for the, even the thought of dealing Eric Carlson out of town. And you know what? The rant made Brian a huge name. Not only sense blogging, but in the online hockey community. He got a sponsorship with Faces Magazine. He became a special guest for the Ottawa Red Blacks. He started his own podcast, the Brian from Six podcast, which we've talked about on the show. And we also can't forget his merchandise because this became a hot item. I mean, you you saw people like Nicole Anderson wearing the shirts at the games. Steve Dangle was wearing the shirts. You even saw Brian becoming Twitter buddies with Eric and Melinda Carlson, which is fantastic. So I'm putting this number two, and I'm sticking with it. Well, no, it, like... Brian Five or Six, it's just so fun watching him. Absolutely. Like, in the mid mil, like, he'll do a periscope in between pe- every period, right? Yep. And sometimes it'll just be like, guys, I'm being followed by a lynx. Do you even know what a lynx is? Larry, what the fuck is a lynx? No, Larry, I know what a lynx is. And just, like, it's just very fun. And that was something that was lacking on the ice. So, like, you could always expect a bit of fun out of, like, even in some of those god-awful games where you know the Sens were not playing and they're getting clobbered like 6-1, 6-2, 7-3, stuff like that. You just have like a, what the fuck, Boucher? And like, as we're like diving into the depths of like even just this, like even considering Carlson getting traded out, it's like, there's always, like there was always just something fun with, with, uh, Brian and I'm just so, I'm, and then that really rant came out and it, rant, it was not just, fun. Ooh, no. It, it was not fun, and that's the thing. And I remember showing it to a coworker of mine who is not a Sens fan, doesn't know who Brian Farmer Six is, and I showed it to her. I've never seen her face go redder. She was laughing so hard. She goes, who the fuck is this guy? But it, that was all from the heart, right? Yep. And it's just... I mean, way to capture what the fans were feeling, right? At that exact moment where... There was rumors about Eric Carlson being traded. Eugene Melnick was already throwing the gasoline on the fire. Nobody in the organization was saying, hey, I fucked up. This is on me. There was no accountability within the organization. Mm-hmm. And Brian's rant really put the nail on the head of this is what the fans feel. This is why we are upset with Eugene Melnick. And there's no better person to say that than Brian Farm Six. Yeah. Also, I fucking love Hot Sam Show. let's be honest here. Are you going to buy one of the shirts? Probably. Yeah, I might buy one of the uh, black Brian Fiber 6 shirts. i got to get the Hot Sam Show, man. Yes, you do. It's just so funny. At number one, the NHL 100 Classic Weekend. 
This season was a total train wreck for the Senators. Nobody can deny that. From star players being forced out of town, an owner who was hell-bent on destroying the team due to his ego and all the good faith the fans had for him, and a fan base that taught everybody one thing. When you push your fan base too far, the fan base pushes back. Despite all of this, for one incredibly cold weekend in December of 2017, all the negativity, all the drama, all the off-season bullshit was put on the back burner for one reason. The NHL 100 Classic. It started off on the Friday at the alumni game at Parliament Hill. This is a huge moment. You saw the return of Alexi Yashin, Alexander Deggs going four goals, the Alfie Chant ranting from Parliament Hill, Radic Bonk signing my Bonk jersey. It was a great moment. And I'm going to say right here, right now, on the third line plug Sensecast, that moment sitting there, seeing everybody who I grew up watching, seeing Parliament Hill in the background, snowing, hands down, one of the coolest moments I will ever experience. Well, it's just, it's fucking nuts. Like, I never got a chance to see the Sens on that ice surface, but just seeing the ice surface in front of Parliament was, yeah, it's and amazing. I, and I can't even talk about the guy that got to fist bump. I got to fist bump Chris Neal and Todd White, Wade Redden. Uh, who else did I got to fist bump? Laleem? Laleem, I think I got to fist bump him. I might have to look back at that. And now we go on to the outdoor game on the Saturday versus the Montreal Canadiens. Hands down, seeing this game live was in a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Getting to see Brian Adams play, seeing Mario Lemieux in attendance, the weather dropped to minus 31 Celsius, which is very, very cold. The LCBO was sold out, and the Ottawa Senators won 3 to nothing in that game. And it was just a great experience. There was no trash-talking between the fans. There was a, I don't want to say mutual respect, but there was definitely a sense of, wow, we saw a great hockey game that the Senators won, and Carey Price had no help. And we also can't forget the Sunday, because in Lansdowne, the Ottawa 67s, there's the Gatineau Olympian. The 67s were outplayed by Gatineau, who later won the game, and the one note I have from that game, Alexander Keith Tallboys were 10-25. Goddamn. Yeah, and it's funny, because, and I talked about this on the show, I said, you know, a lot of people in Ottawa, I don't want to say were standoffish, but they had a very different attitude towards me when I tried to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And this one gentleman I was talking to at the 67's game was telling me, he says, yeah, this stadium is attached to the Ottawa Civic Center, which is where the Ottawa Senators used to play, the 67's used to, are currently playing in. So I got a chance to have a look in there, and I was like, man, that's really, really cool. Yeah, no, that's just an awesome piece of sense here, history you got to take in. Absolutely. God damn, if I had the, the opportunity to do that, I would have, but it's just... Couldn't take the time off. And the only thing I wish that I had done, mm -hmm. I wish I got to fist bump Alfie. Yeah. But you gotta realize, it was cold. Like, it was freezing that night. It was auto. It was, it was freezing, snowing, and... Well, you were in a hoodie. Yes, I was in a hoodie. You... God, you fucking sound like a mother. Jesus Christ. That was your own fault. Oh, thanks, Mom. That really makes me feel good. <laughs> so what do you think about this? I, I really... It, hands it was down, this is, hands down, number one. I would have never put it anywhere else in this. Well, list. it's just a fucking amazing experience. And yes. It's not on my list because I'm too jealous. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's like I don't feel like I can really talk to it because I didn't get to experience it. Right. Like, I was watching from home, and at that point, it's just, that sort of game, it just becomes 
like as much as you know that something amazing is happening, you're just watching it through TV, right? Yeah. So it's like I know like on air, sorry, live it was probably just amazing. You know what's funny is that live is a totally different experience because the ice surface is so far away from you and you kind of had to make out what the hell was going on. The one moment I will never forget until the day I die. Jonathan Duran had the puck. He's coming through the defensive zone. He loses the puck at the blue light and Bobby Ryan's standing there. He's like, oh. <laughs> he takes it and he scores to make it 2 nothing with... I think like three minutes left in the game, and I jumped up in the air. I was like, "Yeah, Bobby, what a guy!" And I was sitting around Montreal Canadiens fans, and they're all looking at me like, oh, "God, I can't believe I sat next to this Ottawa Senators fan." And, oh, but that that was like Montreal just didn't come to play. No, they didn't. So like, I feel I really feel for the Habs fans because like this is the like they haven't been in an outdoor game in a very. Like, I don't think they've been in one since the one of the earlier ones. They were in it, uh, let's see. They against were Edmonton back in 04. There was uh, Edmonton in 03. There was the one against the Flames. And there was the one against the Bruins at uh, Foxborough. Yeah. But it's like, like the it's a special thing, and it's one that's... One of the first ones that was really close, like, first ones in a while that was close to them, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, the Edmonton one was in Edmonton. Foxborough's in Boston. This is, like... Ottawa's two hours from Montreal. Yeah. So, like, Habs fans can drive And it's only, this. like, what, ten minutes from the Ottawa, or uh, Montreal border. Yeah. Or, sorry, Quebec, Quebec border. border, yeah. Not even, like, you, like, the stadium? Yeah. The yeah, stadium's like, ten minutes from like the border. Like, Gatineau was, like, 15 minutes away from Ottawa. No, Gatineau is literally across the river from Ottawa. Yeah, it's, like, 15 minutes. From the stadium, yeah. Yes. Like, it's not even two minutes from Parliament. Like, I don't think... A lot of people who haven't been to Ottawa don't really appreciate that Quebec is right there. Yeah, and I think that's one thing I didn't really realize when I was in Ottawa was just how close Quebec really is, right? And when I was in Ottawa, I noticed a lot of Montreal fans, which is, you know, whatever. So I, that's cool, right? They're Montreal fans. They cheer for the Habs and don't know why they want to do something so irresponsible, but whatever. And, you know... The other thing is Ottawa is, like, it has a very high civil, like, most of the population is the civil service. Yeah. So you get people from everywhere. Yeah, and even talking to the few Hab fans at the game, they were super cool. Mm. They weren't like Toronto fans where they're just like, you know, your fucking team sucks and Matthews is the greatest and blah, blah, you know, how the Toronto fans get. What does the Kucherov signing mean for the Leafs? Yes. You know, it's just, okay, look, what do you want me to say? Like... You cheer for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm a Senators fan. May the best man, best team win. Exactly. And then we can talk about it over beer after. Yep. But, no, that's just... Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> I know. Well, Tim, now that I've gone through my top five, it's time to hear... My top five for this top season. Five. First, and this is a very... This is very Tim-centric. Every time I've been to, like, a hockey game, the team I'm cheering for always loses. This year was the first time I've been to a win. Really? Yeah, so uh, when Ottawa rolled into Calgary, and this is when Carlson was still injured, by the way. Yep. Ottawa routes Calgary 6-1. And this is also the first game, this is also the first game Yager played for the Flames. And it was also one of the first games we ever talked about in the Central yeah. Success game. So, like, this is a big game. And, like, I was having a really shitty day at work that day. Like, the projections files just got 
they got fucked all belief. So we had to redo about a, a month's work in a day. Wow. So like, yeah, it was just things like things really weren't going. Okay. And then we just all like I just step out of work. It's like I like I literally had Chelsea bring my jersey to the office. So like switch in the jersey, go to the game, just sit down. Like okay, let's just hope it's like hope it's not a like. Because that was still when Ottawa they they'd won a I think they'd won one game, but it was mostly like overtime losses. I think they yeah I think they had won a couple games by that point. But at that point it was like close wins or an overtime loss. They hadn't lost in regulation. It was like let's just hope that. Like part of me is like I want them to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the streak breaker. Yep. It like Ottawa came and like the first period Calgary really took it off. Like the Flames took it to Ottawa, but the Flames goalies let them down. But for the rest of the game, it was just Ottawa took control. And it was probably the best I've ever seen Cody CC play. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the show, right? We said, you know, wow, like, CC's really stepping up here in the absence of Carlson. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he was the rest of the year. Yeah, and it was just, like, like this was really, like, it was a very good game to watch. It's like, I finally get to watch. And, like, it was so weird because it's like, I finally get to watch the Sens win. But it's like I have to be muted, just kind of be res- to respectful to the Flames fans. Yes, and I'm just looking up on Google right now. Apparently, that game the Senators won six to nothing, and the record was two zero and two. Two zero and two. Okay, so they'd won a few, lost a few, in overtime. But yeah, like they were really routing, like they routed the Flames. Yeah, and like I guess and like Andy played a re- no. It was the next night they beat Edmonton. Like again, it was six. I think it was six one that time. Like, the Sens opened the season very well. Yeah, we had two shootout losses. We had one to Washington, and we had one to Detroit. Yeah. Oh, and then, uh, like, after those games, there was the Condon mishap, which led them to lose a game in L.A. When right. Condon bobbled the puck behind the net. Yep, yeah, we lost that one in uh, a shootout. Yeah, but the Sens still... that That's why this season reminds me so much of that 2007-2008 hangover season yeah because it's like that really strong open and then the team falls apart but the thing is and you got to realize is that at the time in 2007-2008 the ottawa senators i mean we had gone on a 23 and was it two record or something like it was an absurd yeah like it was like what the gold state warriors won a couple years ago when they went on that 73 game winning streak yeah and it's just like like, you, I could kind of see the par Like, once the collapse started, like, the parallels in my <laughs> head were just like, oh, but I'm like, I got to see the win. That's all that matters. Yep. Uh, the next thing, early season record versus the Leafs. Okay. Now, Leafs fan, like, there was a lot of shit talking going on. It's like, oh, we're going to fill up your... We're going to take away your home ice advantage because we're going to fill up the arena. Doesn't matter. Still beat them. Even when the Sens are collapsing... Nate Thompson scores a game winner. And Ed Kelly... No, it wasn't Chris Kelly. Who was the... Uh, was it Johnny O'Dea or Burroughs? It was another, like, dead weight guy scores in January. And it's like... It got to the point where it's like... Can, can a Babcock... Since Babcock took over the Leafs, the Sens have just had their number. And that yeah. was true up until the... The late parts of the collapse. Yeah, and we saw that, and I'll bring up the numbers here because, and I know this for sure because I made a bet with my buddy Andrew, <laughs> who's a Toronto fan, and I ended up having to buy him beer and liquor 
<laughs> I don't know why the fuck they decided to do that. So, yeah. I mean, we... Let's have a look here. In... I believe it was October. Yeah, we beat Toronto 6-3. to We were 4-1-3. and Mm-hmm. Which, for a team in the middle of a fucking collapse... Versus a team that was considered to be a Stanley Cup hopeful. Yep. That's bad. But here's the thing, and this is what I would like to bring out. Do you consider that October 30th game against the Montreal Canadiens where we lost 8-3 to the start of the decline? Yes. That we, was a weird game. we went, yeah, we went 5-2-5. and five, And then, like, from mid-October to, like, December, we collapsed. Yeah. That game was... I remember watching that game while we were podcasting. And then, like, after... like I remember I was beating my head against the desk. Like, why? Why? Well, remember just in the middle of the co- podcast, I'm like, whoa, Druin's hurt. Like, I just remember, like, looking over the TV and see Druin limping off the ice. I'm like, whoa, Druin's hurt. And I don't know why that's such a visceral memory for me. Yeah. It's funny, though, because, like, I was in the middle of playing Mario Odyssey. Right. Like, and the game started. Like, I turned it off. Turn off Mario Odyssey. Start watching the game. Like, it's already a puck fest by the end of the first. Pick yep. Mario Odyssey back up. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, but... Yeah, that early set season win record versus the Leafs. Pure banter. Okay. What do you got at number three? Number three. Senators fans organizing Melnick out. So, like, no matter how bad, like, the Sens situation got this season, the fans stuck together. Yep. And the fact that we were able to organize... Like our distaste, our disgust, our anger, through into, a billboard, through billboards, through media, Brian five or six, through five or five or six, and Spencer Callahan really taking the charge. Yeah, and we also can't forget, I believe Ryan Classic on Twitter. Also Ryan Classic on Twitter, out. and then uh, I knew some marketing people behind the scenes, so I kind of was like, you should go talk to, you should go talk to Ryan Callahan. Yeah, go help him out. But like, because you and I both donated. Yeah, that. we both put the money in, but and then I tried to send as many resources like. You should talk to your... Like, I know I know a few people who work marketing in Ottawa. Right. And uh, they they know, like, the people who work at, like, Patterson Group, who own all the... So- they own all the billboards. Right. So it's like, like, maybe that could help get a better deal or something. Yeah. And it's... But, like, just seeing the fans come together... Because you can't even say they're bad fans at that point. Because the fact of the matter is, the fans cared so much... Yeah. ...that they took to... they basically did things that people do to affect political change. Yeah, and I mean, even when I mentioned at number two with the Brian from Six rant, it really goes to show that if you push a fan base too far, the fan base pushes back. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was just, it was great to be part of it. It was great to help organize it. And yep. I hope people got, and it seems like people are, like, people around the league got the message even and I think even the Senators realized that we have to do something. And that's why they didn't trade Carlson back That's in what, probably why they didn't trade Carlson. It's 100% why we got those uh, town hall meetings. Yep. Even though those town hall meetings were something else. They were a joke. I mean, they only opened it up to the ticket holder, like season ticket holders, and some of them were just like, well, Mr. Melnick, we just like to say that, you know, the billboards aren't a representative of all the fans. And I remember hearing that and thinking... Okay, so you're okay with Eugene Melnick running this team into the ground and trading every good player that we have on this team away? And I know the Sens call-ups brought that up where they were saying, you know what, and some people go to hockey games for the entertainment. 
Mm-hmm. And I understand that, right? Like, okay, some people... It's, it, hockey's an escape. Yeah. Just like anime is an escape, podcasting is an escape, all these forms of entertainment are escapes. Mm-hmm. But there's people like you and myself who are hockey fans and we're Ottawa Senators fans. We don't want to see this team... Crash and burn. Exactly. To this degree. But even people who are going as an escape, if, like, your team is spiraling into this very the dark place yeah how is that an escape for you still like i don't get it like how can you be okay with like the thing you like escape into just turning into this dark thing exactly like i just i don't really get it like i can understand wanting to defend something till you die but at some point you have to look at it see is like am i doing the right thing to defend it yeah and i think that's where ottawa fans are sort of different than obviously toronto fans where toronto fans are a lot of them are blindly optimistic they mm-hmm. only want to think that their team's the greatest and they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Ottawa fans don't think this way. Ottawa fans are pessimistic. At best, we're realistic. Mm-hmm. We realize that, hey, guys like Kyle Turris is gone. Like Mike Fisher is gone. Daniel Alfredson gone is twice. Gone. Twice. You know, and we understand that and we can. Or say, even like Alexi Action happened or the first owner went broke. Yeah, and then we had Melnick come in, and he's gone broke. Mm-hmm. You know, we think of the big picture, and we think of the little details, and I think that's why I think doing the ep- the podcast is really great, because you and I get to sit down and just chat about it, and we're not blindly optimistic, like thinking, this team's going to win the Stanley Cup next year. We weren't thinking this during the Cup, during that playoff run in 2017. No. We were thinking, holy shit, I can't believe we've gone this far. Like, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. And I remember Game 6, we won that, and I'm thinking, oh my god, we're going to a Game 7. We're actually, we might beat them. And then we went to overtime. I was like, holy shit, anything can happen. Yeah, and I remember pacing at work, and I was like, fuck, I had to check the computer every, like, two minutes. Like, fuck, did we score? Did we score? Did we score? No, okay. Like, and I was pacing. Like, I was Mm -hmm. fucking nervous. Because I'm thinking, this is either going to go so horribly wrong, or we're going to go into the finals. Well, just watching it was so... Like, first overtime, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Maybe we can do this, or I'm going to be up all night, one of the two. Yep. And I've told a story on the show where, during that game, it was me and one of my buddies who's a nighttime janitor working in the building, and I was clicking, refresh, 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 and I saw that Pittsburgh won, and I landed up like, Fuck! Well, re- and he came walking in and he just goes, sorry, Tay. And he walked away and I was like... Ugh! Well, I remember just sitting, like, watching the goal go... Chris Kunitz score the goal. I was just like... Like, it was a very... Numb. You're just watching it. It's like... Like, there's there's not... Like, it's just like the... this The Cinderella story is over and you're like... But then, like, I kind of thought about it. It's like, you know what? They got this far... There was like no expectations. We were no ex- expectations, but then there were so so many brilliant things happened this run. Like Pajot's four goals, Kyle Turris scoring like the series winner, then driving off to the Condors, yeah. or like the Alioup goal, Ryan Dezingle coming into his own, or Mark or uh, the Clark MacArthur series clincher. Yeah, like there's just so Eric many. Carlson putting on an MVP performance on one leg. On one leg, there's just or. The the off Blomquist back goal. Yeah, like, There's just so many memorable moments of this Bobby Ryan run. tying it up in game six. 
or Bobby Ryan's breakaway finisher in game one. Yep. Like, there's just so many moments from this run that are incredibly memorable. Like, I remember watching every game of the two thousand the 2007 run to the finals. Right. There aren't that many memorable moments. No, because like we it were, was just, that was a team that was expected to go to the finals. Well, they were expected to go to the finals, and they got there through ruthless efficiency. Yep. And, like, there were, most of the games were never in doubt. No. And, you know what, I think about it, I'm thinking, you know, the 2017 series, that hurt more than those other series, because those other series, we were like, okay, we'll go back next year. 2017, we looked at each other like, we don't know if we're, we're going to get back. But it's like, we might we might win a playoff series, yep. but I wouldn't say anything more than that. And like, like, you could even see that in our preseason episodes, Yep. where we're like, I want them to go farther, but may, they, they might not. Yeah, because we were realistic, and we looked at the roster, and we're like, look, Stolberg's gone, Mathot's gone, MacArthur is gone, and we're like, wow, like what now like they haven't done anything to replace these guys yeah they brought in Nate Thompson and Johnny Oduya yep and I don't even understand why they couldn't even just throw a million dollars at Stalberg because he was he was effective yep yeah uh, moving on to number two is and you actually already messaged it mess- mentioned it it really is that continued emergence of Ryan Dezingle because Ryan Dezingle was doing everything right but getting the puck in the net last season yep he reached Ryan Dezingle got to league average shooting percentage this year, and God did we and God did he have a good season. Yeah, because they paired him with the Hoffman Duchesne combo mm-hmm. for the last what couple of months of the season. Mm, but the other thing though is like, on his own, Ryan Dezingle does so many things right. Like he's all like he's fights well for the puck. He's able to get like stop stop plays from happening and then move it back down to the other side of the puck. He's fast. He's hard on pucks and he's smart. Mm-hmm. And those are all great, like, great, great traits for a top-end forward. All he had to do was start to put the puck in the net. Yeah. And at, like, watching him play 2016-2017, he was getting the shot. He was getting shots no problem. They just weren't going in. Yeah, and even when I saw him live in Vancouver and he scored two goals, and I was thinking, wow, this Dezingle guy is actually pretty good. Like, where did we hide it, hit him from? And he was another late-round pickup. Yep. And, uh, like, that's the thing with Ryan Dezingle, though, is, like, once the puck luck started going his way a bit more, it wasn't surprising that the numbers came with it. No. Because he's smart, he's fast, and yeah, it's just great to watch, and he's entering into his prime now, so you've got a few more good years of Ryan. Yeah, and he's our age. He's 26. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, 26, so entering he's into the prime, yeah. Awesome. I totally agree. I like that at number two. Mm-hmm. And and number-, the, number one is Emergence of Shabbat. Okay. And I think we talked that one to death already. Yep. Yeah, so that's my list. Okay, but let me ask you, like, outside of what we've already said when I put him on the list, why did you put him at number one? We're seeing a first-line guy develop. And I was blown away by the, like, Shabbat's confidence, his hockey intelligence, and his ability to just manage defensive situations. Right. And this is really what I want. Like, I remember, like, Five years ago, like watching Cody CC during those like 2011 playoff, 2012 playoffs, it's like this kid's gonna be good, and yeah. then it just never went anywhere. But no, see, he... well, the team expected it so much out of him right away, mm-hmm. and that probably didn't help. But I also don't. What I started to realize when watching Cody CC is the hockey intelligence really isn't there. 
Like, he's not reading plays well. No. It's a lot of, like, very... It's too reactive. But the team also put so much on him that maybe his confidence got destroyed. Mm-hmm. They're trying to force him to play a game that doesn't suit his game style. Yeah, like an upper-level shutdown guy? That's not him. No. And shutdown's not even that viable in the modern NHL to boot. No, you need a guy who can play a two-way... But I'm worried with Cody Cece, though. Like, he's an offensive... He's got the offensive tools, but he doesn't really have... Like, the thinking's not there. Like, his positioning's always... You can always tell, like, it's... If someone's out of position, it's usually Cece. While Shabbat, you see this very smart hockey player who's confident enough to, like... He's moving well. He can move laterally very well. He can skate well. And the shot, like his shot, is very good. Mm-hmm. So like you've got this phenomenal defender coming up, and like a Shabbat Carlson parody would be pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, especially because we have guys like Willannon, and hopefully who else do we have? We have Chris Weidman. Weidman. Like Weidman was really turning it on before Malkin just did something completely irresponsible to the guy. Yep. It's a shame that Clayson, they didn't requalify Clayson, but what are you gonna do? Well, yeah. even Borbietsky has been showing improvement, which is kind of scary. Yeah, and weird. as long as Borbietsky is, like, a sixth defenseman, I'm fine. Yeah, Boros, like, he's even moving into better than, like, he's not a shot anchor anymore, which is actually kind of surprising. Yeah. Like, the thing is, like, probably push, like, you could probably do Wolan and Weidman as your second pairing, and yeah, CC Boro as a bottom pairing, and it would probably work out. Yeah, but that's not what the Senators expected of Cody Cece. That's no. The thing. And, like, what... Like, you know I love looking at those, like, the like the hockey biz charts for yep. Cody Cece. And I remember uh, some of those late-season games where Carlson had hung him up after the miscarry. And I think it was the one against Carolina in particular where Cody... You had, like, the graph. They had to add to the axis just to show Cody Cece. So, like on these shots four shots against charts like everyone's clustered up in the upper right corner just because they had to like Cody Cece is so far down and so far to the left right in the spot labeled bad (laughs) but like Thomas Shabbat is just usually on the right side of this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and he's just it's just such a dream to watch absolutely so Tim do you have anything you want to want to talk about before we head off into the close not really okay First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Sensecast. Because our bot Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter, at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 and Honey Badger, and I'm at Great White Gipster, G-R-8-W-Y-T-E, Gipster. If you want to choose the email to talk about your favorite moment... From the 2017-2018 Ottawa Senators, choose the email thirdlineflipsetscast at gmail.com. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Tim Gibson. And this is going to take you Go Sens, guys. So long, my time here is up. They're going home!